I didn't struggle with being a lesbian. I just enjoyed it. I've known deception and all its games. I've known the way it feels to drown in my own shame. Rosaria Butterfield is a former college professor. And as she said, Rosaria used to live a lesbian lifestyle. She's our guest on this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. I'm Phil Fleischman. And I'm Jim Kirkland. After Rosaria shares how the Bible opened her eyes to see her sexual sins, Billy Graham will talk about God's purpose for sex. Now, why did God create sex? The Bible does not say that sex is sin. Sex is not sin. If you'd like to know more about the topic of sexuality, check out BillyGrahamRadio.org. And then when you're there, click on Grow Your Faith. That's BillyGrahamRadio.org and click on Grow Your Faith. God, people, stories. Rosaria Butterfield grew up in suburban Chicago. Her family had a Catholic heritage, but Rosaria says her parents weren't religious at all. They were absolutely secularists and committed unbelievers. And so I went to Catholic school throughout because the um, public schools in Chicago were not so great. And my dad would drop me off and say, honey, I love you. Be very good to the nuns. Do everything they say and don't believe a word they say. One of the things Rosaria remembers most from those years in grade school was sex ed. You know, when I learned about just how babies are born, I must tell you, I just thought that that was just, the word that would come to mind was gothic. And so I just, I really did not want anything in my body like that. So I, I really did have a kind of just visceral negative response to that. But I didn't cue that in any kind of sexual formation at all. But that would change when Rosaria went to college. All of a sudden, I sort of blossomed. And, you know, I, I went from being kind of awkward and, you know, to something else, to, uh, attractive to some degree. And as I was dating men, I, I kept finding myself falling in love with, with women. And I just didn't know what to make of that. Her attraction towards women would continue to grow as Rosaria moved on in the academic world. She finished her undergraduate studies at Wittenberg University in Ohio and then went to Ohio State to pursue her Ph.D. And then at 28, I finally I met my first lesbian lover. And, and really, I, I don't know how else to put it except for that life came together and made sense. You know, and I finally I did. I just had this aha moment like, you know, aha, this is who I am. It really felt like I finally come home. And Rosaria was quick to welcome other people into her home, too. She and her partner opened their doors to gay students and colleagues for meals, fellowship, and community. But eventually, Rosaria and her partner decided to break up. We're going to jump now to 1996. Rosaria became a professor at Syracuse University. She specialized in teaching about gender and sexuality, and she was on track to be tenured. Rosaria was also a faculty advisor for an on-campus LGBT group. She wrote Syracuse's Institutional Policy for Same-Sex Couples, and she was living with a new partner now. We felt really positive about the direction the world was going in, the domestic partnership policies at universities were taking off pretty much like wildfire. We were publishing and writing about LGBT issues. 
our academic disciplines were becoming radicalized in ways that we thought were really valuable and good. And we just saw a lot of progress. And like she'd done in the past, Rosaria and her new partner opened up their home as a haven for fellow homosexual advocates. And, you know, so when you're involved in a community that is working at that level of hands-on activism, you are feeling like, I don't know, you feel a great sense of meaning and purpose. That sense of meaning and purpose was challenged, though, when a Christian men's group visited the Syracuse campus. The group promoted traditional marriage and biblical morality, which did not sit well with Rosaria. So she decided to write an editorial to the local newspaper to express her concern. I mean, I felt that this was a violation of church and state, and their presence on campus was was evil and dangerous to the lives and the integrity of the people I most loved. And so I penned this this article, and I sent it off, and I thought nothing of it. And they gave me a full page... And it just turned out to be a really big deal. Rosaria received a lot of mail in response to her editorial, some fan mail, some hate mail. And she also got a letter that she couldn't really put into either one of those categories. It was from Pastor Ken Smith, the pastor of the Syracuse Reformed Presbyterian Church. And I just couldn't file his letter. I mean, it it obviously wasn't fan mail, but by no means was it hate mail. And, you know, I just couldn't put it in a box. And at the end of the letter, Ken said, I'd really like to talk with you more about these issues. At first, Rosaria was hesitant to meet with Ken, but she was writing a book about the political beliefs of religious conservatives, and she needed some deeper insights into the Bible. So she decided to meet Ken, if only to get some free research. Well, you know, the most uncanny thing happened is that Ken and his wife, Floy, and I became friends. We became real friends. And we spent a lot of time together. You know, we had weekly meals together. And I noticed something absolutely crazy about their house. Their house was like my house. I mean, people would walk in from all walks of life. And they'd sit down and grab a plate. You know, but they'd all have their Bibles. They'd open their Bibles, and they'd open their Psalters, and they'd talk about things. And and all of a sudden, I, I was watching these people. And I realized that they thought that the Bible was alive. They treated this like a book unlike any other book I'd ever seen. And they didn't treat it like a museum piece. Rosaria was puzzled by the way Ken and his friends treated the Bible, so she started asking Ken more questions about it. In fact, she had so many questions that they decided to take a block of time for Ken to explain the Bible in detail to her. So, one evening in 1996, Ken told Rosaria about the creation and fall of man, about sin, about Jesus Christ dying on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins, and then being raised from the dead. And he told Rosaria about God's love for her. And I remember feeling just overwhelmed with a sense of, oh, if only this could be true, this could be wonderful. 
And for the first time in my life, I remember wondering if I was wrong. And all of a sudden feeling this sense of anxiety about, you know, my students, my platform, my teaching, and this book. Looking back, Rosaria knows that it was the Holy Spirit working in her heart. It was different than anything I had ever heard. And, and I think the authentic gospel is. I think that you know you are proclaiming the authentic gospel when people are left a little bit spellbound and silent and have to now think through some things. And then for about two years, it was just a question. You know, the question was, am I a lesbian? Is this who I am? Or is this how original sin has distorted me? That questioning would eventually lead Rosaria to attend Ken Smith's church in 1999. During the worship service, God moved again in Rosaria's heart. It was a sort of a quiet moment, but it struck me that you know, I had read and reread the Bible seven times. I had come to understand that it was God-breathed. And even furthermore, that it was my open highway to a Heavenly Father who knew me and brought me on this journey and perhaps even loved me. After the church service was over, Rosaria talked to Ken and made the decision to surrender her life to Jesus Christ. Now, she didn't immediately turn away from her lesbian lifestyle, but things did start to change. And, you know, it was funny because before I was a Christian, I didn't struggle with being a lesbian. I just enjoyed it. One of the things you realize is that conversion commands a decisive turning from the idols of your heart. And, you know, for me, I used to say, you know, to Ken, Ken, you know, I'm tenured in sin. Do you realize? You know? <laughs> I mean, how do, I, how do I get out of this? And he said, well, you don't get out of this. God gets you out of this. And God has gotten Rosaria out of what she calls the tenure of sin. But it's important to note that Rosaria doesn't use the word conversion when talking about her sexuality. I mean, I wasn't lobotomized. And anybody who comes to Christ from a life of sexual sin had patterns of arousal that God hates. But I cannot tell you how thankful I am to my husband and to the Lord for providing a husband. And we have been joyfully married for 15 years, walking this road together and serving the Lord together. And we have four children. And so I, you know, I'm a, I'm a, a homeschool mom and a pastor's wife, and I, I, I do a little writing and a little public speaking, and the way that the Lord calls out two people to be one flesh is a remaking of both. And that's been very humbling, to say the least, but also very liberating. A new creature in Christ has made a decisive change. You are different. You may feel the way Rosaria did, stuck in sin with no way out. 
but God can get you out. Surrender your heart to Jesus Christ and you will never be the same. Your sins will be forgiven and you'll have a new life now and forevermore. You can learn more about that new life that comes through Jesus at this website, findpeacewithgod.net. It's findpeacewithgod.net. And in just a minute, Rosaria is going to share some practical advice for dealing with sin in your life. You're listening to GPS, God, People, Stories, a podcast production of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Now, why did God create sex? The Bible does not say that sex is sin. Billy Graham. Sex is not sin. The Bible teaches that God made man male and female when Adam and Eve had sex. It was the purest form. Now, what happened to this beautiful thing called sex that God gave to us? Sin entered in the Garden of Eden. And sin affected the sex lives of everyone. God's great gift was perverted. There's no word in the world today so loosely used as the word love. But I want to tell you there's a big difference between love and lust. Now you ask, how can a young person have victory in their sex life? With Christ, you can do it. If you turn your life over to Him, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in your heart, and He'll give you a power and a strength to say no and to live clean. Want to hear that whole message? Check out the Billy Graham Audio Archives. There's over 1,600 messages from Billy Graham's six decades of ministry. Go to BillyGrahamRadio.org and search for Sex in the Scriptures. Now back to the hosts of GPS, Jim Kirkland and Phil Fleischman. So we've been talking with Rosaria Butterfield on this episode. Now, if you're struggling to deal with sin in your life the way she was, she wants you to know this. Sin doesn't stay where you put it. You know, that's what every sexual sinner thinks. You know, I'm just, I've got this thing under control, man. You know, that's what we all said to ourselves. And we're wrong. We don't. Satan has it under control. A Christian is not someone who doesn't struggle. A Christian is someone who uses the Bible as the sword of the Spirit and struggles in God's way. And that struggle gives glory to God. As you've heard Rosaria's story, has somebody come to mind that uh, you think needs to hear this story? You can share it with them, forward it right to them, or you can send it to them on Facebook. We're very grateful that you listened today to this episode of GPS, God, People, Stories. I'm Jim Kirkland. And I'm Phil Fleischman. Thanks again to Rosaria Butterfield for being so honest and open with us. And also thank you to Laura Story for sharing her music, some of it from her new album, Open Hands, that was just released a few days ago. GPS is an outreach of the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Always good news. Jesus, I